Radio. Right on radio. Narrating the end of the world. The end of the world. This news just in. We are your news now. Providing the play-by-play for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right on, right on, right on. Live right. Live right. In the real world. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right on Radio. Yes, it is a life of illusion, and today we're going to be talking about the illusion once again. And I'm actually quite excited for this one. And why, you might ask? Because we're doing alchemy again, but this is like a master class <laughs> with some white magic thrown in and the transformation. <laughs> what can I say, folks? Um, what I'm going to be doing today is we're going to be visiting our old friends that I have featured on the show before, Dave and Cheryl Bryan from Glad Tidings Church in California. And a face that is well known in the so-called truth community and that is Dr. David Martin, best known for understanding about the, uh, you know, the virus that went around and the patents and tracing it back. The guy is really smart. Let me just say that. In fact, I'm going to say that all three people featured in this particular podcast are very, very smart. Now, if you have not seen the very last podcast I did, which would have been episode 551, Elementals of Witchcraft, you really need or you should see that one first because what I started to do in that is I started showing you the magician's secrets. When there's an illusion portrayed, and let's say you were at a magic show in Vegas or wherever, whenever there's an illusion happening, they get you to look in one direction while something else is happening in the on the other side. 
But make no mistake, it's not magic. The magic is the illusion. Now, I don't want to take away credibility from magic because there are magicians in this world, both dark and light. And this podcast is going to talk a little bit about both of them, but this is really about light magic and the emergence with the church. I don't know how else to slice it for you folks. This particular video, I'm going to give you a cursory view today, and I will give you some hints on what they're doing, but I really have engineered, I really understand everything that's going on here, and I would have to do several part video series to really cover this properly. And it's worthwhile. In fact, I think I might do it, uh, but I probably won't do it here on the program. I might do it separately, like maybe a separate podcast or something. And uh, because I know that you guys, you know, once you think you know something, you don't really need to jump into it. Um, but I'm telling you, this can get very, very deep. There's a couple important things to say about the video I'm going to be featuring for you. Actually, before I do that, let me, can I just remind you that uh, there, it's all over the pages of the paper and the web again. They're telling you there is going to be a cyber attack. Your lights are going to go out, whether it's an EMP or just a, a blackout, a, a power disruption. Uh, they tend to say it's going to be an EMP. At least that's what Klaus Schwab is saying, and that's what a lot of your governments are forecasting right now. Get an EMP shield. Uh, go to empshield.com and use coupon code ROR. Of course, the link is in the description. And uh, also, mushrooms for people and pets. Uh, go to ror.petclub247.com. There was a comment the other day, and I really want to read. I'm reaching out to this person, so I'm hoping I'll be able to talk to them. But they said, you know what? I was taking the protocol of, of 10 mushrooms, uh, mushroom capsules a day, and I didn't feel any different. And so I don't know the back circumstances of that. But let me just say this to you. If you are healthy and you take the mushrooms, it is repairing your immune system. Your immune system has been corrupted. Just read the labels on your food that you're eating, folks. Um, eat on the most simple things. You're eating bad ingredients. They're attacking your immune system. They're degrading your immune system, your air, your water. We both know the pollution that's degrading your immune system. These mushrooms are given to us by God. Uh, he created them, not Jeff. Uh, they're not created in a lab. It's a natural food source. And when you take it, it repairs your immune system. So if you're healthy, if you take one a day or 10 a day, 
you're not going to really feel anything. Personally, I'm pretty healthy, so I take two a day as maintenance. Um, if someone has like stage three cancer, take 10 a day. Also, there's different ones. If you have mental uh, problems, dementia and stuff like that, there's a bottle that's for that. Um, or if you just want to experience, you want to buy something and you want to feel something from it, the bottle called Clarity, which is the blue bottle of mushrooms, when you take that, you will notice your mental clarity uh, improving. So just the, the main one that is for your immune system, if you're healthy, you're not going to feel it. But I'm going to suggest to you that most likely you'll stay healthier. It doesn't guarantee you won't get sick, okay? There's no, nothing like that here. Uh, but if you have a healthy immune system, your immune system can fight stuff off and do it much more efficiently. And this is for people and for your pets, uh, dogs, cats, horses, you name it. Uh, go to ror.petclub247.com. Okay, so what's important for you to know about this video? There's a number of things. First of all, uh, Cheryl uh, Bryan, who is the wife minister of Glad Tidings Church. Um, if you forget, when I the first time I featured Dave Bryan on this show, I mentioned his wife is the daughter of A.A. A. Allen. Now, that goes right back to you know, the Branham, the latter-day reign, the modern-day roots of NAR. So, and the new apostolic reformation, if you're brand new, if you're brand new, this program is not for you, not this particular episode. Let me just say that this is going to be kind of high level, but you have to, so there's theosophy in the thirties. Then in the forties, you get into the latter rain movement, the charismatic movement, the Kundalini in the church and stuff like that. And A.A. A. Allen was a big figure in that. And of course, this is his granddaughter, who is falling into that, and she is married to Dave Bryan. And Cheryl Bryan did the podcast with Dr. David Martin. And that podcast is about an hour and 15 minutes, and it is chock full of stuff. And if you hear it, oh, that sounds good, or that might be off, but that sounds good, and that makes sense. You have no idea what is going on here. There is something called word magic. And in word magic, they have a concept that they want you to believe or accept. And when you have the destination of, okay, I want the listener to believe or at least accept, be open to it, then they backwards engineer it and they put all the things in that need to be in there to accomplish that goal. Makes sense, right? So they recorded the podcast and then before they air it, her and her husband, Dave, 
go in and they shoot a 45 minute intro to this saying, Hey, we know it's going to be controversial. And he talks about how this came about, how the circumstances were that he met uh, Dave Bryan and how close they've become. And don't be fooled by Dave, like his kind of a uh, simple fuddy duddy, nice story. Um, it's very purposeful. Everything that they are saying is with intention. And that's important for you to know. And if someone is a born again believer and I'm just going to say right out of the bat, this is the light side of the system. It will become evident to you. And certainly I think the NAR is part of the light side of the Luciferian system. If you're new to the program. There's a dark side, a light side. They both answer to Satan. Okay. Um, Satan will come as an angel of light and he uh, is a wolf in sheep's clothing, which means you don't see the wolf. So Dave starts off saying this is going to be controversial and these things. He's setting it up. Um, and then just about, you know, four and a half minutes in, his wife, Cheryl, steps in. And I'm going to play the majority of what she says. So it's going to be about two minutes. And I want to say at the outset with this entire program that I'm doing, um, this is an unfair edit. Although I'm going to let them speak in context, if you don't have context of the entire two hours and something long video, uh, it re is really unfair. And I, and I say that because I'm going to prove a point that that I want to prove, and I believe it's going to be a correct point. However, in their defense, they would say, well, I said this, and well, I said that, because after all, they are talking to Christians, so they do say certain things that sound very Christian in it, but you have to peel back the layers of the onion, and words are important. Remember, Jesus is the Word of God, and so the word of God is important, and that is our standard here at Right On Radio uh, in this community. Uh, it should be your standard if it is not. But you're going to hear things that are outside of that. And in their intro, they're telling you to basically get your mind open for it. And I'll touch on a few more of the things. I want to get to the meat of it and not play a lot of their 45-minute intro. Uh, that's why I'm speaking en enough. It's actually to save you time, <laughs> believe me. So just give me one second as I pull up this clip, and we're going to listen to Cheryl Bryant. So she picks up here uh, talking about, you know, how the Lord had spoken to her about writing a book called The Great Alchemist, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. I'm sorry, but Essentially, that God is the great alchemist is the title of her book. And so this is, you know, this is during the intro with her and her husband. And we're going to get to the interview afterwards. But 
it's important to listen to her speak here, and I believe I'll give you enough that there's contextual evidence to it, to what I'm going to tell you about it. By our love, we should be known. And reality is, he said to me, he said, my second coming will be more misrepresented and more misunderstood than my first coming. So, okay. So she originally said, and I cut it out. I probably should have played that part, but she said, um, the Pharisees and stuff like that, they had memorized the first five books, the Torah, and yet they didn't expect Jesus to come in that way and he was killed by you know his own people essentially and now she's saying that his second coming will also take people by surprise so okay maybe that's fair let's keep listening we think we know what jesus second coming looks like but he told me very very clearly very personally he said my second coming is more misunderstood more misrepresented so what we have to do is get outside of our we think we know everything okay so his second coming is going to be more misrepresented okay um maybe jesus wasn't clear in his word when he detailed through all the you know through the gospels through the epistles uh, and into the book of Revelation. Uh, it seems pretty clear. It seems to have a solid conclusion to the book, but that's just my opinion. I'm not a theolo theologian, but she's saying we have to get outside of it. And you know what? I will admit, and I'm in the club, I do not know everything. And you probably don't either. So let's continue just to hear what she has to say about getting outside of the way we are thinking. And Christians, of all people, tend to think they have it all down. And I've had God speak to me very clearly. I'm a Christian, clearly. I love Jesus, and nothing will ever change that. I love God, and I hear God. And he didn't stop speaking after Acts was finished. He didn't stop speaking. All through the Old Testament, he spoke audibly to people. He spoke in and out. I mean, he says, and the Lord said, and the angel came, and and on and on. Spiritual activity should be the most pre, pre, um, predominant thing that real Christians live in. Okay, so that's kind of important what she just said there, and and you know what Jesus still does speak. Um, I think you know most people who know His Word will hear that still small voice inside of them and. Jesus does direct our lives. Jesus does speak to us. I don't think he's changed the end of the book or needs to add on to it or there's a new revelation. I would say that's a that's a bad doctrine uh, that she is saying there. Um, and especially to say that, you know, new revelation, what you hear from God, she's basically saying that is above the word of God. That's where real Christians her words, not mine, should live. And that's why they, you know, in the NAR, they lift up the apostles and the prophets because their word is above the word of God. If you're anywhere near a NAR church, get out. But this is, this is, we haven't even scratched the surface here yet. Let's just continue, let her talk for just another few moments. We should be seated with him in heavenly places. We should be coming and going out of the other realms. 
we should be seated with him in heavenly places and should be coming and going in and out of the other realms. These people are mega church pastors. You know that, right? They have a big following and a big patriot following. Let me just give her a couple more seconds. But we have been religionized into a box. And God told me, I will kick the ends and the sides out of that box. You are trying to keep me in. So to me, I thank God for David Martin. I thank I God well. for friendships with people that see from another angle and try to help us be a little more honest about what we're saying. So I do agree with that part. We should listen to other people. I think everyone has something to offer and there are some really smart people and Dr. David Martin is no exception. We should listen to other people, but it doesn't mean that we change our mind. You either believe that our God gave us a book and it's complete or you don't. When you go into Revelation chapter 22, the very last book of the Bible, the last page of the Bible, it says, if anyone, and I'm paraphrasing, if anyone adds unto these words of prophecy, um, they're going to suffer all of the wrath of God and the, the plagues that are in this book. And if someone takes away some of those, they are going to suffer. Um, God's telling you his work is complete in that book. So we can listen to other people. And in fact, like listening to Dr. David Martin, what's coming up, um, some of it is really brilliant. I got to say, uh, it's a different way to look at some of the things. But he says some things that are pretty interesting too. So while we're talking about listening to other people's point of views and part of the intro, Dave Bryan here is talking about uh, one friend that he met uh, beforehand, a man influential in his life, and a story that really changed his life, he says. And all these guys have a grandiose story. <laughs> That's one thing you have to realize. And what he's talking about here uh, is that uh, this guy that Dave's friend went up and he was standing on this infinite beach with Jesus and Jesus picks up a, a grain of sand. And he says of all the this beach and the beach, you couldn't see the end of it. Um, one grain of sand is all, you know, of me. And the implication is all of the grains of sand on the beach. And we only know that much. Well, if that's the case, maybe God would have included maybe a couple more chapters if he wanted us to know more. I think we know what he intended for us to know. Uh, but yes, I selectively edited it, and uh, it just so happens when he's showing that he's holding a grain of sand in his hand uh, that he's kind of doing the 666, and at one point it goes over his eye, but I didn't want to be spend too much time looking for that particular shot because it's really unfair. I'm not saying he's doing the 666 symbol there, but uh, it's real. It's interesting anyways. But then he goes on to talk about how he met 
David Martin. And yeah, uh, basically he heard about David Martin. He wanted David Martin to come to a conference. David Martin didn't want to come. Um, yeah, let me get to the clip actually. So he wanted Dr. David Martin to come and preach at his conference, but David Martin didn't want to do it in a church setting because he's not really a church guy and all this stuff. So he refused to do it. And, you know, Dave Bryan thought that was interesting. But then uh, Dave Bryan had a prophetic word for uh, Dr. David Martin. And <laughs> this is going to be an unfair edit. I'm just telling you the truth here, but... I can't help but pick up some of the words. Now, he how he describes getting this prophetic dream, he takes quite a bit of time to explain. So I'm just going to play the first part, and then I will go into what the prophetic message was. So listen carefully to this. Um, the, uh, the night after he spoke for the first time in that conference, uh, I had a prophetic dream. I've had a number of prophetic dreams over the years. I know when it's a pizza dream or when my brain is defragging. And I know when it's a pizza dream and I know when my mind is defragging. Couldn't help but pick up that uh, a pizza dream. Huh. So this is him now waking up and uh, having what the prophetic insight for Dr. David Martin was, and this, and this was going to happen. This is how he was going to get David Martin to come to his conference. Prophesying over Dr. David Martin. I woke my wife, Cheryl up. Uh, I mean, she just woke up because of the, the stirring and she said, what's going on? I said, I'm going to prophesy over Dr. David Martin tonight in the meeting. She reminded me that um, he he wasn't known for associating in Christian circles and um, asked what I was going to prophesy. And, and I, I shared with her, I said, I already saw it happen. I know exactly where everybody's going to be standing. It will happen uh, uh, tomorrow night uh, and at the end of the meeting. And I'm going to prophesy that uh, God has uh, specifically chosen Dr. David Martin uh, from uh, his uh, conception, he's had his hand on him, and he has prepared him even through the difficult things in his life. And he's prepared him to be an apostolic voice for the transition of the ages from the church age uh, into the, uh, the millennial kingdom. Okay. Did you hear that? So... Dave Martin uh, does not profess to be a Christian. But God has had his hand on him. It's the prophetic word from Dave Bryan that he is going to be an apostolic, he's going to be like an apostle to usher us in from the church age into the millennial kingdom. Wow. Every one of those words that he uses there are intentional. Okay? They are intentional. You need to pay attention. It's the transition 
this is about alchemy, the transmutation of the church out of the church age and into the millennial kingdom. Now, make no mistake, uh, the NAR people think that they are going to usher in heaven on earth. That's what they think. That's what these people think. So you, you have to understand in context, they're saying what they believe. The Bible says something very different. The Bible says Jesus is going to basically obliterate this world. And then he's got his kingdom, which, and he even gives you the dimensions of it. He tells you what the stones look like. It's very descriptive. He brings his kingdom down from heaven and he sets it on earth. It's 1,500 miles square, approximately. So it's not us ushering in, but apparently he's got this prophetic word and he's going to let Dave Martin know he's chosen by God to usher us into, well, let's just call it what it is. The age of Aquarius, the age of Aquarius, the grand new utopia, you know, the kingdom that Satan wants to have. That is the kingdom they're talking, because it can't be the one of the Bible. You can't put the two together. So I just want to continue in context. Again, I'm trying to cut down their 45-minute uh, intro, but you kind of heard the beginning. You heard the story about the guy with the grains of sand. We don't know God. I loosely told it to you. And then he had the prophetic word for Dr. David Martin. And now he's going to hand it off to Cheryl, his wife, the daughter of, uh, granddaughter of A.A. Allen. And uh, she's going to finish off the intro before they get into the podcast and that's where the good stuff starts so let's just listen to them for uh, just a few more moments just a bit more uh here in a moment but uh, i want to uh ask cheryl to explain how this uh this whole conversation with dr david martin came up and how god spoke to you about alchemy cheryl um, well, I did in the beginning of the video bring that up already. So I'll just go in and say that years ago, God spoke to me and he said, really, it was Jesus. And he said to me, he said, Cheryl, I want you to write a book and I want it to be called the ultimate alchemist. And I thought, I don't know anything about alchemy. I don't know anything about any of this. And he just said it again. He said, I want you to write a book. And it's about the ultimate alchemist. That's what its title is to be. It showed me the size of the book, showed me the whole thing. And then he said, and I am the ultimate alchemist. I can transform a heart. I can transform anything. And he that's ultimate alchemy. I mean, it's one thing to go bronze to gold, which actually is in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 17. That's one thing. That's another whole thing to change a heart that's ugly, critical, mean. Oh, did I say religious? 
religious. Religion is rules without relationship. And people get critical, ugly, snappy, and it's not God's heart. And he judges the heart. And so God also can transform the heart. And that's all right. So you've got the idea of why and they wanted to get David Martin. David Martin knows a lot about alchemy, as it turns out. Who know who knew? Um when she talks about, you know, uh bronze to gold, right? And we kind of know what's lead to gold, essentially, in known in alchemy. But she says, you know, the transformation of a heart. That's Christian. That's Christian. But then she says, oh, I forgot to put in relationship. Because you see, they have a script. Oh, no, no, you can't be religious and be blocked in, you know, in these walls without relationship. You know, she, you need to be hearing the word of God every day. Never mind what he said before. They're following a script. I wanted you to see that. You know, she intent, she intentionally said, oh, I forgot to put that in. And it's important for them that they did because now they can say, if you're criticizing me, man, you just don't have an open mind, dude. You just open up your mind a little bit. And and by the way, Dave and Cheryl both say, and and when I, that's why I say this is an unfair edit. They both say, "Hey, we don't agree with David Martin on a lot of the things, and he doesn't agree with us." But it doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to him. Now they do say that, and they say that more than once. However, it's fine for them to listen to him and have a dinner conversation. Fascinating. But these are leaders of a massive church and very influential people. Why do they want you to see this conversation? Why? It's because although they say they disagree, they don't disagree with where Dr. David Martin's message brings this to they and they might actually disagree with some of the stuff he says but they love the result of this interview that's why they spent as a couple these very busy church leaders mega church not only took the time to interview him but time to script out a 45 minute intro I hope you're hearing what I'm telling you. This is part of the magic that they're doing. And it's working on a lot of people. I'm playing more of the intro that I wanted to. <laughs> I'll just let him speak for itself. To not look at a conversation based on how can I discount everything somebody's saying, but look at a conversation asking yourself, is there anything that I can learn here? Remember the Bible says the wise attain unto wise counsel uh, to gain wisdom. And so uh, I'm, I'm very, very thankful for uh, sharp minds like Dr. David Martin. Uh, by the way, he's a, a doctor of uh, psychology and uh, he can go way down the rabbit hole or, uh, you know, off into La La Land where most 
of us tap out, but he's a wonderful guy, has got a brilliant intellect. He has a, a great understanding of biblical truth and actually has been uh, involved in Bible translation since the time he was young. But but these are a few thoughts. He's been in, so this is interesting. He's a doctor of psychology, but he's been involved with Bible translation since he was young, and he's not a believer? Maybe there's some clues about the person of Dr. David Martin right there. Um, well, let me just keep playing here for a second. Thoughts I want you to think about. Uh, alchemy, the essential meaning of the word. It's a very, very ancient word. And it means divine transformation. Now, what happens to us all is we, we, we try to sort out, well, what would that look like? And um, I want to encourage you um, to be very open-minded to that uh, because... Divine transformation. And that, that's a good translation of the word alchemy. It really is a good thing. And, and we are a divine, you know, and, and God is and the alchemist in, you know, and maybe not the best term that I would use, but essentially he is. Um, so I want to cut it off there, but just know that he's a doctor of psychology and he has been involved in a Bible translation and he knows the Bible better than a lot of, lot of us. Okay, so now I'm just going in right into the interview. She's sitting down, Dr. David Martin, who again is not, uh, he doesn't claim to be a Christian. And I, I want to say this before you hear him speak. There is a lot of truth in what he's saying. I'm going to disagree with some of the things he says with evidence. However, um, I really respect some of the things he's saying, and I'm going to read the Bible a little bit differently after hearing some of the things that he said. I'm going, I choose to still believe the Bible. But he brings up some interesting concepts, and one of the first ones he's going to get here, so she's going to ask a question about her lineage, and I'm going to play this clip to really kind of set up what is going to happen here uh, because he gives a great explanation and he starts off with uh, reincarnation, but he doesn't describe it in the way that you think of reincarnation. And it's fascinating. And I'm going to skip by a whole bunch of the major concepts he does and focus on a few of them for the purposes of today's video. Uh, so it's not going to be that long of a video, uh, but this is really worth listening to. As I say, I think I'm going to do an individual study or teaching on this. I could do a master class on this video and what he says. And I started telling you some of the things that I felt like God told me. I'm like, let me restate that, that I know that God told me. God told me when I was young, Cheryl, I want you to walk like Enoch walked. And you said, yep, you could do that. And I was like, what? 
Why are you saying you can do that? Why tell me that? Why do you say that? Because I tell people that all the time because I actually believe it. And I believe, well, God told me, Cheryl, nothing is impossible for those that believe. And I'm like, it's true. Can we get out of the unbelief of almost everyone and into walking in the full belief that nothing is impossible? So is that why you said that? Well, no, I I say it for a bunch of other reasons. If you think about your family lineage, like every family, there are metaphors that continue throughout lineages that have unfortunately in in the modern era been misinterpreted. We have a hard time with the concept, for example, of reincarnation. I had a beautiful time in Southern India where I asked people who are very connected to that idea what they mean by it. And it was really informative to, to hear that you expressed in this life form, you were actually incarnated into this life form that is Cheryl Bryan sitting here right now, because you were actually in part of that fearfully and wonderfully made story placed into a lineage. Not any old place, you were placed into a lineage. And like we would say in physics that neither matter can be created or destroyed. And, and we don't have a problem saying that in physics. We do have a problem saying that with life. And that's a sad thing, because if we actually understood that we are part of a lineage, you know, your life didn't start at conception. Nope. Your life started long before that. It's actually what the Bible says. Okay. And, and so you are, and, and if we get really, really technical about it, the sperm and the egg coming together don't die and then something emerges in new life. It's two life forms coming together and continuing life, not begetting life. Right? This is not, you're not starting. Two you're continuing. Yes. You're continuing the merger of two life forms. That's what you're doing. But there's no start. And equally, there's no end. Fascinating when you think about it. Um, the sperm and the egg are two life forms and they come together and they create a new flesh. Hence, uh, marriage is very important to the Lord. The two shall become one flesh and it's the egg and the sperm that real literally become one flesh. But so what's interesting here. And so he's giving this as a introduction into alchemy. And it's a transformation. You, these two things with action and, you know, there because there always has to be movement, they create something new. It's a transmutation. Okay? You can hear that from me a lot in this. So now here he wants to start. I've, I've skipped forward about 10 minutes in the video uh, because that part goes on and it's worth listening. In fact, as I said, I might want to do a big series on this uh, separate from the podcast. I don't want to bore you who are not interested in it, but this is important for you to listen to. Um, this is, the, this is Lucifer's plan. <laughs> That's what you're hearing. They're telling you. But he want, he's starting at the beginning here, and uh, he's going to go over some fundamentals. And, well, let's just listen to what David Martin has to say. By the way, there are pictures of him with some, like, Illuminati tattoos, but who knows? Could have been Photoshopped. Sense of it. 
is Moses's action. And conveniently, it's kind of in the front of the book, so it's not hard to find, yeah. right? That the first story we're told about this is important. But the reason why I'm mm -hmm. saying that is historically, we don't even use the term because we decided that the story of what happened in Egypt needs to be told through a Hebrew lens. Mm -hmm. But it was not a Hebrew story because there were no Hebrews at the time. That's why it's not a Hebrew story. And this is where we keep kind of breaking. So, and he's referring to Moses throws his staff down, it turns into a snake, and it eats all the other snakes. And he's basically saying, Moses is the light. The light snake <laughs> ate all the dark snakes. And we could look really deeply into that. But let's just continue on. Uh, just I want to reference, that's what he was mentioning there down our own wisdom and then we go i wonder why we can't figure things out well because we're not thinking about what we could figure out right the same problem we have a couple thousand years later when we forget that jesus went to egypt and in all likelihood grew up speaking our for this egyptian because when do you acquire language you acquire language in the first 12 years of your life you know where jesus spent the first 12 years of his life probably in Egypt, because that's roughly how long that purge of children and the purge of looking for the king of the Jews was going on. So he probably spoke Egyptian. He probably learned Egyptian. He probably went to school in Egypt. He probably had Egyptian inputs because, ready for this, he was living in Egypt. That may be why. But we forget that. We think that it went from a manger in Bethlehem to 30 years later, he just shows up on the scene as a son of a carpenter. Nonsense. Yeah. He was in Egypt. He was trained in Egyptian. He spoke Egyptian. He was exposed to Egyptian tradition. And so he probably knew alchemical tools from Egypt. You know why? Because that's what people learned in Egypt. Hmm. So, Okay, it's important he said that. You see, he's making the case Jesus went to school in Egypt and he pr probably learned the alchemical tools. And if there's a premise that's conveyed throughout this particular video is that there's a whole bunch of tools that are available to you, Christian, that you're not using. It's magic that they're talking about. You see, just from a balanced perspective, and I'll get back to what he's saying, he's a brilliant man. But you see, we don't have to go to school and learn how to do alchemy. And he makes the case later that, you know, the water to wine was just an alchemical thing. It was a, it was a magic trick. That's the inference that I heard. Maybe you'll hear it differently. But we just need to pray to God. Believe in God and we pray to God. We don't need to learn how to do magic. We are not missing tools from our tool belt. I think the scriptures are quite clear. Let's just continue on right from there. Jesus probably learned alchemical 
tools. You know why? Because that's what people learned in Egypt. Hmm. So is the water into wine really anything other than something he learned how to do? I offend people every time I say that, except for the fact that the evidence of what I'm saying is true. It's recorded in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of schools. But we're not willing to do this. And this is the reason why, if we're going to set the stage for the answer to your question, we have to remember, what is it? It is the transformation of the divine. And if we understand that that's what the word alchemy is. And by the way, I'm not justifying the dark arts that have used it. And there are a lot, and they have used it to horrible effects. Hmm. Most recently, they've used it to try to kill off the population of Earth through the manipulation of mRNA. Hmm. Pseudouridine, the thing that is in all the injections that people got for COVID, is an alchemical pathway hmm. to kill humanity. It actually takes a very short strand of information in the form of nucleic acids and it actually turns on a cancer gene. That's an alchemical transformation. Mm. Now, I would suggest to you that it's the darkest of dark arts. Mm -hmm. But don't think for a minute that people who put it in weren't putting the curse on humanity in using the dark arts alchemical process. Mm -hmm. You don't put a thing in that you know is meant to kill people. Yeah. Unless you are ready for this, meaning to kill people. Yeah. Right. So this is why we have to be really careful. I don't ever play with this topic lightly mm -hmm. because I'm not saying, oh, let's romanticize it and let's go alchemical things are always good. No, they're not. They can be hijacked like every other energy on Earth. But the fact is that we don't have a common understanding of what it is. Mm -hmm. And as such, what we've done is we've actually thrown it into this kind of questionable camp of, you know, what the Aleister Crowley's and the, you know, and the Illuminati's and the everybody else's that we want to turn into the bad guys, right? We say, well, but they do it. Therefore, it must be bad. No. They're doing it and they're using it because we have taken it out of our toolbox of what we could do for good. Well, clearly, from my perspective, when God told me, write the ultimate alchemist, and it's him, from my perspective, it's yeah. a good thing, not a bad thing. Right. I was like, I don't know anything about alchemy. I know it's turning cool. one substance into another. Yeah. That's so so let's start with the very first one that we have in any recorded literature, the very first one. Go to Genesis 1, and, and we'll start with the first alchemy. Okay. Okay. There is allegedly... The world was without form and void. And what happens? God moves over the surface of, what does it say? The water. The earth. Oh, you're yeah, talking see, about... no, no, this is the fun part. I'm already trapping you. This you're, is part you're of, good this, at that, and that's yeah, why I was excited. Yeah, no, that's why it's that. so exciting, right? Yep. He moves over the, the darknesses and the waters, but we said that it was without form and void, but he moves over the face of something. Well, it's tohu ebohu, right? Yep. Without form. And it's destroyed. Right. Right. Isn't but to have something destroyed means that there was a thing, right? Oh, I believe that. Yeah. So so there's something that was there 
that Riot. went away. Yep. That, but we said in the beginning there was destru destruction. I think so. But in the beginning. Well, but what is that? And here's the, the trap, right? Exactly. But but this is where we get into the linguistic trap, mm -hmm. which allows us to be blinded to the process. Mm -hmm. Right. Modern physics gives us this very interesting paradox of the black hole. And according to now the most modern cutting edge physics, the black hole exists as the sum of all information in the universe. And what happens is as the all information gets to its completion, it moves into a phase which we call a black hole. Every physicist now publishing on the topic hmm. roughly agrees with that, that a black hole is the sum, it's the infinite mass of all information. And it's interesting that out of that in modern physics, the next thing that happens is light. Hmm. Black holes are the embryo of the now emancipation of the birth of the next, whatever the next is. So the story of the very beginning of the beginning, which starts with an end, which we never talk about, which I think is worth talking about just to make people feel very uncomfortable. Well, I was going to bring it up because, because if it... you're, if you're saying that we're starting with an ending, well, then then We're that could starting be where... with a thing, which is an interesting thing that begets before the beginning, which means that. there's another beginning and there's another beginning and there's another beginning. And, and the point of this is that if we go back and say, what is this? And remember, alchemy, what is that? That is the divine transformation. What's happening is in this world of destruction, a spirit or an energy or a force is moving across that. And movement is very important because transformation can never happen in stasis. I can't go to the top of a mountain and just sit and be transformed. I actually have to be moving. I have to be in motion for any of these things to happen in my own industry. And we'll get to this. We've actually proven that the effect that happens in static conditions cannot be replicated in moving conditions and vice versa. Hmm. Movement is part of alchemy. Transformation requires movement. So you'll never get there by sitting on your couch reading self-help books. You'll never get there by sitting in conferences and going, oh, I'm inspired. You'll never get there. You actually have to do something. You have to put yourself in motion for transformation to happen. But what we have in the ingredients of alchemy is energy, light, movement, and then here comes the magic. The magic is a changed perspective. You have to be able to alter your perspective. So you have to get to a place. Did you hear what he said? A changed perspective is the magic. Remember at the very beginning I said to you, that the magic is that you believe the illusion. But you have to be working towards things so you want to believe it even more. I'm going to let him continue on for just a little bit more here. Um, then I'm going to skip to some really key statements and, uh, and I'll end it because I got to do a part two. There's just no way to do this justice, but I won't be able, won't have to do their intro again. But I hope I'll, you'll, I'll get enough of your interest in this, and 
and what I would say on top of it. It's one thing to listen to him, but trust me, I, I think I'm uniquely qualified. I'm telling you the truth. I think I'm uniquely qualified because of the life experiences I've had to talk about these things and to tell you what they're actually doing here purposefully. Where the way you saw a thing is no longer the way you see it. Oh, I believe that. I totally believe that. And I tell people that even with the food thing, yeah, it's about what you think you have to have. Correct. It's about what you think you need. The Bible right. says the spirit. All right. I'm just going to fast forward here to a. Okay. I think we're back on to the creationism and this is really important. He gives a master concept of alchemy that I think you'll really need to listen to and understand. And remember, he's telling you some good information here. Um, it just doesn't all line up with the Bible, even though he's quoting the Bible, huh? So movement, light, energy, and changed perspective. The ingredients of alchemy. Very interesting. Because remember that out of that, that four. Mm -hmm. That's a mind bend. Because we've been told you can't grow things without sunlight, except for the fact that all of the growing was actually done. Sorry. Day one, it was good. Not good. Sorry, I, I, I made a bad edit there, um, just skipping forward. Um, so day one, he goes over the face of the of the void and... Tov, Hebrew, fit for service. Day two, he never adjudicated as even fit for anything. Wow. Day three, we get plants. And ironically, on day four, we get light from the sun, which means the story of photosynthesis is not true. Which is a giant bummer to everybody who sits there going, oh, I think I understand how the system works. No, you don't. Because plant life started growing without the sun. Before. Mm -hmm. That's a mind bend. Because we've been told you can't grow things without sunlight, except for the fact that all of the growing things predate the sun by a day. And on the third day of creation, when God says it is fit for service, it is good, he did not say it will be better tomorrow when I make the sun. Right. Nowhere in Genesis does it say, it's almost good enough, but wait till you see the sunlight. No. And day four, when we get the sun and the stars and we get all the cool stuff in the sky, all of that stuff on the fourth day is not, oh, I actually made plants and then, oops, I forgot I needed the light. No. Day three was fine by itself. Day four is fine by itself. The reason why this is important is you have to realize that there's something that happens on the second day, which if you want to understand alchemy, you have to understand the second day. Because the second day, if we actually think about it, is unfortunately something that in modern times we've created an illusion around which we think of as dualism. It's the first time we actually use the word separation. Now, this is very hard for people to unpack, so I'm going to try to do it in pieces. Okay. When we think of separation, right now we mean putting one thing apart from another. Right? So 
this is how we get to dualism. This is how we get to right and wrong, good and bad, light and dark, all this kind of stuff. We get to dualism through the notion of separation, as though these things are apart from each other. We would be more correct with the Hebrew if we actually said distinction, not separation. You and I can look at each other right now, and I can pick a feature about you. You have red hair. I don't have hair. That is a distinguishing feature, but it doesn't separate us. No separation, yeah. Right? It's, it, gotcha. You're, you're not better. Well, you are, but no, very generally speaking, hypothetically, very I mean, if Kim was sitting next to you, it would be even worse. I'd be, you know, two against minus one, right? But, but, but we could pick a distinguishing feature and we could say that's a distinction, but that doesn't separate us as right. beings. Right, it's just different. And unfortunately, what the second day of, of creation in the story gives us is the notion of the tension, Buckminster Fuller would call it tensegrity, which is the energy that is the connecting energy. It's the elastic energy that pulls us together by putting things at a distance. It doesn't mean they're apart. It means they are now holding energy at a distance. Distinguished. Okay, and it's distinction. But here's the part, and Bucky Fuller is a good example of, of another way of thinking about this. When we decide that you are edge-to-edge -edge Cheryl, so Cheryl is the organic material sitting on the opposite side of the table, and Dave is the organic material sitting on the side of the table, and we've decided we are separate. Then we have to jump through all kinds of entanglement hoops, quantum physics hoops. Why is it that we still might share thoughts? Why is it that we still might share connections? Why is it that sometimes I'll just be walking through Virginia and go, I'm thinking about Cheryl Bryan. Why? We have to create entanglement stories when we decide separation is a function of geometry, shape, and distance. Okay, so he goes on here. Uh, here's the sum of what he's saying there. Um, we're we're all together man even though we're separate it's it's like collective consciousness have you heard that before he doesn't use those words exactly but uh that's certainly what i heard because we've just come up on an hour i'm just going to play a couple little spots maybe to tease you enough to want me to show more of this video and you know, I can really speak to every single part of this. And what he says is going to make so much sense. But then I'm going to tell you something and give you a biblical perspective that makes even more sense. It's kind of like, instead of getting you to look over here where the illusion is happening, why not just see the illusion but let's let's listen to a few more key words here these are key that you listen to this right in your life, yeah. but for the seed falling into the ground right and and cheryl here's the thing this is a story we should be telling because when we've decided to demonize a technology that has been used since the beginning of our story what we've done is we've taken the operating system of life out of our life, and then we wonder why we struggle. 
we wonder why it's so difficult to navigate this very difficult world. Well, you see, if everyone just did magic, the world would be magical. <laughs> he says something really telling here, if that wasn't telling enough. Uh, but just keep listening. I got an idea. Maybe because we're telling a story that is so defiled that we've lost the plot. God didn't keep his book together? Really? Well, a lot of people don't think that. And that's why a lot of people are going to fall into the deception. But let's just hear, because you have to understand, he's kind of given it away here, but he identifies himself in just a moment very clearly, and you're going to hear it. It's like trying to swim the English Channel without arms and legs and wondering why you sink. Well, you're sinking because you're not using your arms and legs. That's why you sink. And this is the problem. The problem is humanity is at a stage where we need to be able to reconcile ourselves with the fact that we have pulled off of our option list the very tools that God used in creation, and we wonder why we struggle navigating creation. Uh, we've pulled off the tools that God used in creation because we are not God. <laughs> and we can pray to God, and God can do all things, and God has our best interest. But please continue, Dr. Martin. That's not a question, and it's not a problem, and it's the reason why you were told to write the book. Not asked to, told to. Yeah, I was told. I was told and shown what it looked like. So for me... And by the way, you can just go ahead and transcribe this conversation, and three quarters of your book is already written for you. Yeah, well, Isn't that amazing? Well, he, showed, <laughs> he told me. He told me to go through the Bible and every time there was an instance that was greater than possible, yep. like Moses, yep. everything that was greater. So yep. what Moses did going up the mountain, yep. obviously he got transformed yep. or he would, there was a transfiguration of mm -hmm. sorts or he wouldn't have come down beaming. Right. But that came out of an obedience right. and it came out of an other than concept, other than what everybody says is possible. Right. So, but see, you would have forgotten the snake story if I didn't tell you. Yeah, but I do bring up the snake story. Yeah, I don't. I'm just saying you I don't bring up the snake it eating the other ones. I bring up the fact that he threw it down oh, yeah, and it yeah. turned into a snake. Yeah, and I never even think about the little snakes that I ate. I just think, no, that's a very novel concept. Right. But but the reason Christians. why the reason why I bring that particular metaphor up is because we have we have in the story of of the corruption of alchemy. The idea that we're going to take something that is of a base condition and make it a better condition. So all the alchemist stories are led into gold or or what have you. But but the foolhardiness of those stories are self-evident. If it was possible to transform lead into gold, then the value of gold would become lead. Yeah, be nothing. Yeah. So the intent of doing that is self-evidently foolish. The reason why we allow it to exist in the occult and the reason why we encourage its existence in the occult is because we don't really want everybody to be able to do that. 
we want a select few people to be able to do it to manipulate power. Because if everybody knew how to do it, then everybody would go out, find all the lead they could buy up. Tomorrow, they'd turn it all into gold. Yeah. And now gold would have the value of lead, which is a dumb idea, which no one would do. But the occult, and this is a, a trigger that people need to be aware of, when people use alchemy to reorder value, that's always evil. Okay. Uh, so he's talking that's always evil. And it's a good point he's making here. But listen to his words very closely here when he mentions the occult. Always. It's always evil to do it so that you can get power, so that you can get influence, so you can get control, so that you can get an advantage. That is not the reason why we that's were given this tool. Yeah, it's evil harder. Yeah. And so it's really important that we point out that mm -hmm. if people go, well, how do you know it's good or bad? Easy. Super easy. Yeah. Motive of the heart. If the motive is I'm going to create scarcity, I'm going to take power, mm -hmm. I'm going to create fear, I'm going to do whatever. If that's the motive, it's always evil. Yeah. So it's not, you know, you don't have to have a PhD like you and Dave have in spiritual warfare. You can have a, you can be pretty much an idiot to figure this one out. Is the person trying to take advantage of someone or something? In that case, it's evil. It's evil yeah. If they're doing something to transform a system for the betterment of everyone, mm -hmm. that's good. Mm -hmm. That's it. So off the top of your head in the Bible, what are the alchemy things that you can think of? Like everything we call a miracle of Jesus is an alchemy and I can reproduce them all because I have reproduced them all. Well, and every miracle of Jesus was an alchemy. And he says, and I can reproduce them all because I have reproduced them all. So he mentioned water to wine. You heard him talk about that. What about making the leper, setting the leper free? The man who never walked, he said, get up and grab your mat. Dave Martin is making the claim that he, through his alchemy, has actually reproduced each one of these. Now, I've piecemealed this. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into the Tesla stuff. I would like, if you would allow me the privilege of just focusing on Dave Martin's words and taking the hour that he talks and me interjecting, almost like talking to Dave, just me and Dave, I think it would be a fascinating thing for you to know, but you're going to have to remember why did Dave and Cheryl record that long intro to set up this for you to listen to this with an open mind. And then they will go on for 10 minutes in their intro that, uh, you know, you, if you come back to us, you're not in relationship with God. If you say that, no, this. That's that's bad. If you question this, you're not in relationship with God. They're going to call you religious. They spent a lot of time building that concept in the introduction. 
So we'll just leave this as a bit of a teaser. And maybe I'll do it not even on the show. Maybe I'll just do a separate video and put it up, post it somewhere else uh, for you to watch. I don't know. Let me know if you'd be interested. But I'd need a lot of people because it's going to be a lot of work to do this. Um, yeah. In the meantime, leave a comment, hit the like button, but love your God. Know that he completed this book. Know that it has a beginning and it has an ending. It is complete. We are part of God's family. And so love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, as it is commanded. And just like he says, you know, uh, you can't make a difference sitting on your couch. Get off your couch, go out and make a difference in your community. Blessings. Everybody.